Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. I'm Jim Morrison. Today, we have Joan Trice, CEO and founder of Altera Group, and Julie Fries of Sedona Appraisal. We have an interesting topic that all appraisers need to learn about today, and that's valuing short-term rentals. Joan, I'll hand it over to you. Thank you, Jim, and welcome, Julie. But before we dive into that kind of complex topic. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Tell everybody a little bit about your trainee camp. So okay. I think that's of uh, interest uh, to a lot of people. Well, we, we started appraisal camp with the beginning of the lockdown and pandemic. We sort of had an idea that if we were all going to be lockdown, I had a whole lot of people who were out of work and had so many skills and talents. I had a, a manager from Whole Foods and someone who had a lot of technical skill in videoing and uh, another person, that's Tracy, who's now licensed, who worked and managed the restaurant and casino and did all kinds of books. And so everyone brought a skill to the table and was really excited to learn appraisal. And everyone also had other jobs here at appraisal camp. And then we invited people to moonlight and come along because they were in lockdown. And what was interesting was seeing the focus of going outside of the house where I had everyone in uniform coming along with booties and gloves and masks and People, when we came to their houses to do their inspection, so excited to see so many people. They were all lined up, and I would say, at the curb, and I would say, these are my trainees that were on appraisal training camp, and no one has to come inside. And uh, they would say, no, it's okay. We had like one person out of maybe 100 who said, I'd rather they didn't. And I'd say, okay, no problem. And uh, I've always been one of those people who spent a lot of time at a house and they were impressed by the amount of time and energy spent at the house where I would have everyone go in and we spent a lot of time and then we discussed the area, looked around, what do you see? What was your impression? Let's talk about what we saw, the neighborhood and stand around. And we had people who wanted to invest in the camp. Oh, which wow. Was that's really awesome. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's so great. our school was invested in and everyone was given a job also when they came back. So Jason and Brian, who wrote articles, everyone had to write. We also did projects, which around the office, you'll see where we talked about what are our goals? What are we looking to try and accomplish here? Learning about the business, learning about um, focusing on uh, reaching goals and learning. And we did we do what I call USPAP Bible training. So we study USPAP and apply it to everything we do in the office so that it's understood why we're doing it, how we're doing it, how it applies to the profession so that when any pre any question comes up, it is applied exactly how it applies. So there's no question like, is this a USPAP violation or why do we have USPAP, which is a lot of times the question. 
what is USPAP? How does this apply to us? When I'm instructing USPAP, uh, a lot of the times it's always, oh, we always have to do this every two years. Well, a lot of times the updates are just sort of grammatical changes and things like that. But really, standard one and standard two are how to appraise. So as long as it's done, I, I take the training and it is done that way so that the trainees know exactly why and what they're doing. And it's applied the whole way along. And I've had fantastic results with my trainees and they're, they're, they're great. I love them. Well, thank you, Julie. We're going to break right here for a commercial message. And when we come right back, we're going to dive into the short-term rental dilemma. Remote Val Desktop is here. With added floor plan and measurement functionalities, desktop appraisals have never been faster, easier, or more trustworthy. Remote Val keeps you in control of the appraisal while getting accurate information, photos, and measurements all through the homeowner's smartphone. There's also a live recording function enabling you to record the inspection and revisit the home whenever you want to. And Center pays you your same full fee for Remote Val inspections. Remote Val is fast, easy to use, and completely free for appraisers. To see a demo of Remote Val in action, visit incenteram.com. Okay, welcome back, Julie. So now let's talk short-term rentals. This is a complex topic. You know, we have a lot of new things, I think, in real estate space that are going to need to be addressed at some point. I-buying is a topic we should have for another day, but short-term rentals are here to stay. This is not a short-term trend, especially during the pandemic. Airbnbs uh, in particular, VRBO, uh, the two most popular short-term rental company platforms, were very popular for people who wanted to exit out of the Northeast during the pandemic. Uh, they fled south and out of the city, New York City especially, to use short-term rentals. And it's become quite a phenomenon lately that a lot of people are buying properties specifically for short-term rentals. So the question is, Julie, as an appraiser, what do you do when you get an assignment that you know is has been used for a short-term rental or is being bought to be used for a short-term rental? Okay. There is it's very important to be able to distinguish between what is the business and what is residential appraising. That's very, very important. And especially where I am, the homes surrounding me are have been purchased, you could say, as hotels. And these are houses. There is a difference between a going concern and a business in a house being run and a residence. And there is a difference between legal use and not legal use. That means something that conforms with zoning and something that complies with zoning. And something that, and one of the things that I was taught from the very beginning was that you need to look at a house, a residential appraiser needs to look at a house as if it's empty, vacant, and the bank is taking it tomorrow. And it, it, that might sound morbid or somebody has sold it and they're moving out tomorrow. So the house needs to be vacant. 
It needs to be looked at as if it's vacant, not with the. Well, that is the yeah the highest and best use analysis is. Absolutely. Right. Well, right. it has to be. It has to be because the houses and we have this all the time here, which is something. And you said they were being they're sold and they're being used. But as a business, I have a portion of my house that's being used as an Airbnb. So I'm not anti-business. I'm not anti-capitalism. I'm not anti-taking advantage of what works that pays my mortgage, my taxes, and my expenses in the house, all of that. That insurance. explains why everybody wants to do it. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm not against taking advantage of it, but there is a, there is a problem because now that the interest rates have gone up, the house next door to me sold for $1.1 million when two years ago it was purchased for $345. And I'm watching it very closely because it's not renting since the interest rates went up and since things changed in the economy and the houses around me are not renting and they started they went from being houses that sold between three to six hundred thousand dollars to selling for 1.2 million dollars because investors jumped on the bandwagon to buy their hotel in the residential neighborhood oh, okay so they paid too much but they, what they did was they bought them with everything included. They sold them on the MLS's businesses with the beds and everything in there by your business. Okay. And we had a house over in, and this is how, and the 1007s and the 216s, the operating income, single family rental surveys were being done with that income. That is not residential income. Let me stop and ask you a question. So, yeah. What's the difference between doing an income approach with a long-term rental as opposed to a short-term rental? Why is a long-term rental a residential assignment and you're saying uh, Airbnb is a commercial assignment? I'll tell you why. The difference is that when somebody rents, there are people that rent and live in rental houses and there are people that buy. The people that rent and live in rentals, they come here and they get employment and they get utilities and they look at the neighborhood and they want to live here full time. People that vacation do not want to live here. They don't even know where they're going to stay here. And the people that live and rent the rooms and their transient rentals and they flush their melons down the toilet and they, they're, va- they're on vacation. They are not residential. They are commercial. From an income perspective, why a is a long-term rental different than a short-term rental? Why because aren't you just doing an income approach? It's, an inve- it's a residential investment mm-hmm. property. Because from an income approach... If you're going to compare that house, you have to consider every single house in this neighborhood and every single bedroom as competition. And if you don't, which you're not, when you're doing your income approach, that you're not. You're not considering, you're not comparing it to the hotels, and you're not considering every single house and every single bedroom as a potential hotel, and you are also not considering the risk factors associated with it. So what you're saying is you should consider all the risks and all the expenses. Absolutely. Yeah. But I st- you still haven't answered the question. 
What's the difference in the analysis? Why are you throwing it into the commercial realm? Why is it not a residential house with higher income? The highest and best use analysis might reveal, might, I said might, reveal that it should be a short-term rental, that that'll yield 30% more net revenue to the property. Why wouldn't that be the highest and best use of the property? And why can't I analyze it as an appraiser as a single family investment property? I'll give you a hint as to why there is a problem. It's not now, again, I haven't delved that deeply into this. Class valuation on their website has an excellent article on short term. Yes, and I gave John that answer. So, right. Um, but they're not, they're not, I don't agree with that part of it, but the rest of it's very good. And what I learned from that is. That Fanny and Freddie, I believe both of them have, I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, have changed their policies to allow for short-term rentals to be accounted for, yet the form itself does not accommodate. Okay, if you run a business, running an Airbnb is running a business out of your house. If so you can not- an investment property that's rented. There's no difference, really. They're both no. income-producing properties. Yeah, but somebody has to move into that house in order for them to live in that house and to run an Airbnb. No, they're renting the house. They're no, not- they're not. They're renting a hotel room that somebody has to turn over. Somebody has to clean. I understand. There's additional expenses. I've had an Airbnb myself. There's yes, additional in expenses order, because in order you're turning to do them that, over. You have to run a business and it can be any business. It doesn't matter what kind of business, whether it's a massage office, whether it's my appraisal office. No, it does matter. The the commercial uses do matter and and impact the local. So if you're going to say that every residential house can be used in any commercial manner. That's not what I'm saying. It's residential use. It's not residential. People aren't using a short-term rental to run a dog grooming business. What's the difference between using a short-term rental to have people stay here? I I offer them massage services. People offer them, they cook for them. People- Well, that is illegal, probably according to local ordinances that you can't run a commercial- operation out of your home, but renting your home is typically a permissible use. In every one of these houses, they're offering different services. They offer cleaning services. They offer massage services. They offer cooking services. They offer all kinds of services to all of these people who come in vacation at their houses. You don't know what they're offering at each one of the Airbnbs. And your point is what? The point is they're offering commercial services. Next door, they they add kitchens to every single one. The house they sold next door is on a septic system. They added three bathrooms and three bedrooms, and they changed the functional utility of the house. And so now there's extra bathrooms and bedrooms to a septic system. And then the one next door, the same thing. And they've altered the functional utility of the house. The infrastructure, so, of the, it's not legal. There's more bedrooms and bathrooms than there is to the septic system. Oh, so they did without permits? They did the improvement? Yeah. Oh, 
Okay, so the highest and best use is still the legal use. The highest and best use is as residential, and once they've been altered, they're now illegal. And they have yeah, and you can't, the highest and best use, you can't count the income from an illegal use. That's the highest and best use analysis. Every house in the neighborhood. Is illegal, everyone? Almost everyone. Well, but theoretically, what you're putting forth is... What's the saturation point? How do you know what the saturation point? You can't count every single one because every single one has the income, right? And then you add another, and then you add another. I'm not and then you- concerned about those houses, your subject property, mm-hmm. if it is a legal use and it is allowed by the city and you're yes. not violating any laws, I don't see how a short-term rental should be treated any differently than a long-term rental, except for the fact that the GSC forms do not accommodate a sophisticated income and expense analysis that would be associated with a short-term rental. Well, the problem is that um, the residential appraiser does not know how to appraise personal property and business appraisal income. No, and you wouldn't include that in your... The residential appraiser should only be appraising the real estate and not the business and not the personal property. So when you're doing a long-term rental, you're not allowed to do an income approach and use the rent? You're doing an income approach only on the income, not the business and not the personal property. Well, that is my business. I'm renting single family houses long-term. The I long-term. have 300 single family rentals long-term. Why? And that only is my, that's how I make my money. But the today long-term I can finance those through the GSEs. Fine. The long-term income is should be... The income approach, right? The income, the residential income approach, the way the gross rent multiplier works on residential income should be similar to the cost approach and the sales comparison approach. If you can rent your house for at least as much as you can as your mortgage, it it, it tells you that the markets are working in sync. If you cannot rent your house long term for at least as much as your mortgages, the markets are out of balance. That's the way the the income approach for residential works in the gross rent multiplier. That's why it's commercial income. That's why it's business income. That's what business appraisal and personal property appraisal is. You need to have. Uh, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree. I do think we're going. A, we don't have any education, to my knowledge, around this topic. Uh, we have forms that don't accommodate short-term rental, but short-term rentals short-term absolutely rental. add value to a property. They absolutely, in my personal opinion, are no different than other than they're more complex, but the highest and short-term, best use short-term for most rentals properties include is business appraising and personal property appraising. Hey folks, we need to break for a commercial message. We will be right back. Delivered in a webinar format, AI live online education learners sync up with other online participants via web browser and live conference call. Interact with your instructor and your fellow classmates as you participate in the courses that address today's hot appraisal issues and appraisal business practice topics. 
Enroll in an upcoming offering at appraisalinstitute.org slash synchronous dash education. Okay, Julie, welcome back. So in conclusion, this is, we both agree on one thing, and that is this is a complex topic. Absolutely. We absolutely need more guidance out from this. And I'm sure the GSEs are talking about this behind the curtain. And um, hopefully, you know, we'll see some new forms. But, you know, you brought up one really important thing, and that is the income approach and the cost approach, for that matter, have been lost on this generation of appraisers for the very reason that the GSEs have said we no longer require them. We absolutely need to be doing, in my personal opinion, three approaches to value, because then and only then can you see the potential for that subject property. And if there is an imbalance between one of those, that's when the appraiser really needs to take a look and learn how to reconcile the differences between the three approaches. What residential appraiser knows how to do the income approach properly? Yes, none or few. Let I won't say none. Few because they, you know, even they've if they did know, yeah, they they their skills are rusty. So now I think we really need, as we modernize, we need to focus less on turn time and more on returning to a credible appraisal report. And Agreed. I think we need more, not less, in terms of analysis of those three approaches to value. I agree with you. Okay, great. Well, Julie, thanks for joining us today. And thanks um, for having me. All right. And I'll see you at Valuation Expo as always. I look forward to it. All right, thanks, Julie. Thank you. Thank you, Julie and Joan. I think that was a great buzzcast. It was a really back and forth. Listeners, let me know in the comments. Let us know which side you fall on. I think that was one of our best ones. So, Julie, we really appreciate it. And it's such an interesting topic. And I agree with both of you. There needs to be more education around this. So thanks all. And thanks to our sponsors for helping us put these on. And have a great day.